Hello from Ellensburg, Washington, USA. This is the Nick Zetner Geology Podcast, episode 83, Karen Siglock, live. Thanks for listening. Happy January to you all. In the last episode, which was what, episode 82, called Docking Silesia, uh, that was uh, right before the new year, and I said, hey, you know, I'm going to be busy with these live streams that I'm doing, the crazy Eocene A to Z live stream series on YouTube. I said in that last audio episode that uh, I probably wouldn't be checking in with you until uh, the end of February when I got to Z in the A to Z series. But I had such a thoroughly enjoyable weekend with our most recent live stream appearance by geophysicist Karin Siglock, who was with the audience live from her office in the south of France. Uh, it felt like a big moment, and I was pleased with the, with the episode. So I'm going to talk about what I learned uh, from Karin, what I learned from the previous show with Spencer Fuston, both of those were tomography episodes, or we're looking for ocean slabs down in the lower mantle. And I'll even comment, I think, on the, um, the two shows preceding that. So basically, uh, since the first of the year, since the winter quarter began here at Central Washington University, uh, I've been busy, and in addition to teaching, I've, been, I've, I've done four new uh, sessions in this A to Z series. And I think those four sessions kind of stand alone, so I'm at kind of a natural break uh, between themes within that series, and so I thought I would um, drop in for a quick visit with you on these radio episodes. I don't know if, it, if there's a preamble today, because the whole thing's kind of a, you know, again, I, not again, yeah, again, I've said this before. I like that this radio format continues to evolve. Uh, you know, if you, if you have a if you've been with this radio series for a long time, two plus years ago, I was just burning through Geology 101 lectures that I've done forever, and then I kind of started sharing ideas about upcoming lectures. So I was learning some things and then just kind of checking in with you. This is all before the pandemic. Really, since the pandemic started in, in March of 2020, I've been uh, putting most of my energy into these videos, whether they're recorded videos, uh, hiking around in the mountains, or interviewing Randy Lewis or other interesting people. Uh, but the, this, these radio episodes have kind of morphed into this weird kind of companion to the, to the videos that are on my YouTube channel. And if you're not pleased with this, with these developments, in other words, you want you want to tune into a, an audio podcast that's just talking about the details of geologic research. I don't know. I guess I'll get back to that maybe. Uh, but really, to be honest, I just uh, I, I'm viewing these more and more as kind of here's a little behind the scenes stuff. Here's um, some interesting developments that I have learned about geology. So in other words, there, there is geology content here, but it's 
I think it's discussed without thinking about it a whole lot. I think it's discussed here. Uh, I continue to discuss it here uh, as I work with this main project, this this YouTube stuff, this the YouTube live stream stuff, and it does feel like Saturday. So today's uh, early on uh, Tuesday, January 18th of 2022. Um, so I'm a couple days away from that Saturday morning experience with Karin Sigalok. Uh, that did feel like a high point. I, I don't know if it truly will be, and it's just all downhill from here. I don't know. It, I got home and Liz said, well, how'd it go with the with the gal from France? I'm like, well, nowhere to go but down, I think. Because <laughs> it did feel like a high point. The goal, of course, is just to continue to, to develop ideas and, and technology and, and just continue to climb higher and higher just as far as uh, new things that I'm trying to do. But, boy, that, that was a thrill. So I guess I'll uh, let, let's just start with the car and stuff since, since that's what's most fresh in my mind. And then, then I'll, uh, I suppose I'll, I'll tap back in. So I, to give you the basics then, what are the four shows then that I've done since the first of the year? Uh, there have been four of them, right? Yes. Uh, so Jeff Tepper, University of Puget Sound, a geology professor, uh, has been working with his students over the last 20 years, and they have been looking at these Eocene igneous rocks across Washington primarily. And we started with Jeff on that show. Oh, boy, I forgot to look it up. But whatever, whatever show it is, called Near Trench Magmas. In other words, I don't forget which letter in the alphabet it was. I suppose I could figure it out. Come on, boy, figure it out right now. Uh, Karin was P... Oh, going backwards in the up. Yeah, that was session M. Eocene session M with Jeff Tepper near Trench Magmas. And then session N, Eocene N, was uh, visiting with University of Washington longtime professor Daryl Cowan and talking about his hypothesis, which he first wrote about uh, in... Um, What's it, what what is it like the early '80s, 40 years ago, and then he and then he put put another paper out uh, 20 years later in 2003. His hypothesis that the Chugach terrain, which is a thick accretionary wedge today, up at places like Kodiak Island and Baranoff Island, uh, his hypothesis that that Chugach terrain used to be much further south at least here in the Pacific Northwest, like in our neighborhood, but even perhaps uh, further south than that. Enjoyed those two shows, mostly looking at near-trench magma bodies, which were a way for us to visualize ocean plates that are offshore, that were offshore during the Eocene. So that's the theme of these first four shows of 2022 thinking about ocean plates like in a rather significant way. And with Tepper and Cowan, we were looking at onshore evidence. These near-trench magmas apparently are great evidence for a divergent plate boundary out in the water. In other words, a seafloor spreading center or a mid-ocean ridge. The near-trench magmas onshore are 
apparently great evidence for subduction of one of those ridges. In other words, you subduct a plate boundary. That's not normally what we think about in Geology 101, right? We think of subduction of an ocean plate. I think I had a whole near-trench magma episode in this radio series maybe a year ago. Uh, so the question is, what happens when you subduct a space or you subduct a, a boundary? And the answer, apparently, I keep saying apparently because I, my, my world's been rocked recently, so I, I, before I forget it, Karen Siglock, the, the gal who's in France, who's the main focus of this episode, her close collaborator is Mitch Mahalanek up at the British Columbia Geological Survey, and I think Mitch in particular specializes in thinking outside the box. I mean, I... Uh, he may be the lunatic fringe to the lunatic fringe, as far as I can tell. Um, and yet he's, you know, he's super accomplished, has spent a lot of time mapping, like, in the mountains, helicopters, the whole thing. I think. I'd love to get him on, but uh, that's part of the story. Anyway, Mitch is, you know, by email, I guess before the Karin show, saying, uh, yeah, uh, are we sure those near-trench magmas mean uh, subducting a ridge? And he was he was saying it kind of the way that I I, I kind of say things. He's basically saying, how about we go to a place where there's a subducting ridge now, like in Central America or South America? Where are those near-trench magmas, like, erupting right now? Or where are these fresh near-trench magmas showing that? I'm not sure they're there. Interesting thought. I haven't had taken the time to follow through on that, but anyway, the, so you know, so maybe I'm peddling some company line that uh, I'm guilt just as guilty as the next person, just uh, um, making assumptions, making assumptions that near trench magmas, which are these granites or even volcanic rocks that are very close to an oceanic trench today. It's typically a cold place where you have a four-arc basin or an accretionary wedge. Typically, you don't generate magmas so close to a, 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 an oceanic trench off the coast of a continent. But if you've got these magmas so close to the trench, then the thought is you're not subducting a plate. You're subducting uh, this spreading ridge where there's a bunch of uh, hot stuff getting shallower than it should be. All right, so that was the theme between Daryl and Jeff, and the plot thickens because Daryl had a moment, it was kind of an off-the-cuff comment, but I, uh, I do like the fact that, that we have unscripted live streams on purpose. I think it's unnerving for some of the guests. They don't know exactly what we're going to do, and, and, and uh, here's a dirty little secret in the world of presenting anything, I guess, but I know at least in geology, the dirty secret is if you're feeling uncertain or you for some reason think you're just, you're threatened by the crowd or you're just super nervous or whatever, just when you're giving a, a presentation, you just use those PowerPoint slides as a crutch, you know? like, okay, I, I'm really feeling, uh, uh, I'm just talking in general now. I, I don't think I'm necessarily this way, but maybe earlier in my career I was. 
you just go, boy, I, I, th I think this is going to be hard. I think this is, I'm just going to like not look at the crowd. <laughs> I'm not, really, not going to look up and look at who I'm talking to. This is pre-pandemic, pre of course. And I'm just going to cling to these freaking slides. And those are going to be my friends. I'm just going to look look at those slides. And, uh, you know, I've rehearsed this talk uh, to myself. I've, I've talked out loud at the kitchen table. I'm staring at my PowerPoint slides as I'm rehearsing and I'm talking. And then uh, it's time time for the real thing. And it's exactly like I did at my kitchen table. I never looked up. I just talked in the same voice. I just looked at my slides. I had my talking points. Hell, I've even got my notes written out for me. I'm reading my notes off of my... Okay, you get it. So I think depending on the confidence or the kind of natural abilities of a speaker, if you're pretty weak in those areas, those slides are your friend. Those slides are your safety little, you know, warm... <laughs> cocoon and uh, you're rattled if you have to get away from those slides well the whole design of these YouTube live streams currently I think they kind of were back when I was doing things in my backyard as well but but currently yeah, I've got a guest every show now I think I said that the last couple times uh, I never dreamt that, but I, that, that, that is the reality now. I just locked in the rest of the guests for January. Some of them I know well. Some of the guests I've never met. And that's uh, kind of risky enough, I guess. Like you're talking to somebody for the first time. Not in the same room, by the way. It's all virtual. And, oh, by the way, a thousand people are like watching you talk to this person for the first time I wouldn't say that's super easy but my point is these moments like I had with Daryl which I'm about to describe Daryl Cowan uh, it, it just comes from me listening as hard as I can I, I shove my face right into that camera on purpose like I don't love myself that much but I get my face in there real close so that they can they're looking into their uh, on their end, they're looking into the live stream thing called Melon. And they see my Melon, baby. <laughs> Never made that connection till right now. <laughs> they see my marshmallow-shaped Melon right there, and they're and 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 I cannot see them. I, I think I've said this before too. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm repeating myself. I'm doing so much of this stuff lately. I kind of lose track of what I've said where. Please forgive me. But I can't see them if I'm looking right into this little pinhole on my camera, in other words, the camera lens, the video camera lens, I can't see them, I can hear them. Occasionally I just shoot a little glance over to the monitor and I can make sure we're still working, but I want them to see me, they want them to see my, my eyes, I'm nodding my head, I'm giving them all my energy and I'm listening as hard as I possibly can. Because to me, the whole goal is a spontaneous thing where they say something and then you know, if they take a breath or they finish a thought, then I jump in and I just try to keep the conversation going. Well, with Daryl Cowan, again, I haven't, talking, haven't gotten to the Karin show yet. I'm building up to that, I guess. I like these little breakthrough moments. 
and it's usually where I haven't had that thought before. And kind of like with you here, sometimes I'll stumble into an idea like turtles or something, you know. Thank you. A couple of people have sent turtle shells to me, by the way, to be used in February. That was kind of fun. Thank you for that. But Daryl started saying Rangelia and Coast Mountains interchangeably. Now, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go, I guess I'm not going to talk 20 minutes on this, so you're going to have to go backwards or somehow or um, somehow get up to speed on this, but it was a major thought for me, which I just didn't have before. I'll, I'll summarize it quickly right now. Rangelia is that, uh, Rangelia is part of the insular superterrain, so Rangelia and Friends. And there's a long history of Rangelia developing out in the Pacific Ocean. Much of it we'll maybe never figure out, but that, that's, the, that's the terrain that has a large igneous province history, possibly on a hot spot for a while. It was a long-lived oceanic volcanic arc, almost certainly before the hotspot days and after the hotspot days. And the point is, I've talked about Rangelia many times here and also in the video live streams. And Rangelia today is, is exposed on Vancouver Island and, and up in southeast Alaska. Well, as we're, as we're talking about the Chugach, again, which is an accretionary wedge, Daryl Cowan was like anticipating questions. We were about to go to the live questions from the viewers. And he said, I'll bet you somebody's going to ask, if the Chugach is the accretionary wedge, where's the volcanic arc? And he says, I think it's it's Rangelia. And you're like, okay, I guess. And then he said, yeah, I think it's the coast the coast mountains. He kept going back and forth, Rangelia and the coast mountains, Rangelia and the and the the coast plutonic complex of British Columbia. And I, I stopped him. And I said, I'm confused right now, Daryl. Are you saying Rangelia and the Coast Plutonic Complex are the same frickin' thing? He's like, yeah, that's how I view it. And then he helped me see that if we slide the Chugach accretionary wedge back down south to our neighborhood, and end board of that with eastward subduction, I guess, is a volcanic arc. And that volcanic arc is the Coast Mountains plutonic belt or whatever. It's called so many different things. I need to come up with one phrase and stick with it. He says, and, and then Daryl's helping me. He says, and then if you un undo the offset on the Straight Creek Fault, you know, Nick, that the Coast Plutonic Complex the south tip of that is the North Cascades in Washington, including Mount Stewart. And so I think you've got Rangelia just north of your town. I'm like, I cannot... What? And so the, the question is, why is that such a big deal? It's a big deal because Karan Siglock, we're finally there. To me, the most interesting part of her work is fixing the location, the, fixing the longitude 
of where the insular superterrain was located. Okay, I'm having a thought right now. Damn. Okay, let me finish the sentence. So using Karin's work, she has westward subduction of an ocean floor that was between continent of North America and a, a, a stationary island arc system called the insular superterrain older than 100 million years ago. That's all I'm prepared to say right now because I'm still fuzzy on, the, on how this all works together. But let me, let me just try to follow through on this thought. Thank you for hanging with me here. I'm getting kind of scattered because I'm having a couple moments here with you in real time. I'll try to say, try to say it again. If the North Cascades of Washington, which is my main focal point of this entire last couple of years, if the North Cascades are truly part of Rangelia, and if Rangelia is part of the insular superterrain, and if the insular superterrain was not drifting around out in the Pacific, but was fixed along a longitude meridian, <laughs> essentially, like a north-south meridian. Don't get hung up on that, but it's just basically, a, let's just, for simplicity, it's a north-south ridge out there, okay? A north-south island arc, which means we have a, a north-south trench. And you're like, how do you know that trench is not moving? How do you know that trench is fixed out there for a long time? That's the work of Karin Siglock. I'll let that show speak for itself. I'll let a previous radio episode called Karin Siglock, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I did a Karin show specifically more than a year ago. But the crux of the matter is she has folded ocean floor that she has found in the lower mantle. It is folded back and forth on itself. She calls them slab walls. I use the analogy of ribbon candy. She's got a sinking rate. She's got a sinking rate of those slabs through the mantle, 10 millimeters per year. And so she says, it, I have a simple hypothesis, but I don't know why we need to be so complicated. The simple hypothesis is we know the sinking rate of slabs through the mantle. And if we go back in time and get those slabs back up to the surface, the timing of that slab material that used to be out in the Pacific and now is in the lower mantle works out pretty damn well. The timing of getting those slabs back up to the surface. And she needs, because of the position of where that slab wall is located today beneath the east coast of North America, but back then in the Mesozoic, if it's fixed, it's fixed, baby. The thing that's moving is North America. So if you move more North America back east as you go back in time, that vertical slab wall of ribbon candy in the lower mantle today is underneath eastern North America, but back then, more than 100 million years ago, it was out in the middle of the frickin' Pacific Ocean. The insular. Okay, the 23-minute mark, I'm finally to what I was hoping to talk to you about today, which is... I had her with me. I had this gal who I am, I'm probably overstating it. 
There's a chance I'm not, though, but I'm probably overstating it. I think she's one of the biggest minds of our day. And as I said, when she was there, watching live in the green room from, from the south of France, I told the audience, I think in 50 years, they're going to forget about pretty much all of us, but there's a chance they're going to be talking about this gal, this, this geophysicist who's doing amazing stuff globally with lower mantle tomography and reconstructing plates. And to have her live with us, that's really what I wanted to talk to you about. How did that happen? How did I, how did I get a chance to have her one-on-one? -on -one? And that's how I'll try to finish this episode. Wow, okay, I thought I was going to just start with this, but... Yeah, we throw in Spencer Houston from Houston as well, who was doing tomography in the lower mantle, and that was an excellent show. But I've learned that his... His process, I'll be vague because I don't really understand it, but his, his uh, modeling techniques and his geophysical techniques don't really show us vertical slabs. Even he's in the lower mantle, and he's not seeing the vertical slabs that Karin is. So I, I didn't want to go back and forth between their two, their two approaches. But the resurrection stuff was interesting from Spencer. But okay, come on, boy. The rest of this is going to be Karin. So... I've been emailing behind the scenes with a bunch of geologists. I think I've mentioned that before. And in my little crew here, my little email chain, is Jerome Lessman from University of uh, Vancouver Island University, Mitch Mahalanek on occasion from British Columbia Geological Survey, Basil Tikoff, University of Wisconsin, Jeff Tepper, University of Puget Sound, Andy Minor, private resident, <laughs> Kalalem, Washington. And a few others. Okay. And Daryl, for instance. But I started emailing a little bit with Mitch, who's this close collaborator with Karin. And I said, oh, should I do this? Yeah, why not? I say, Mitch, how about you come on this, this show? He says, I'd love to, but I can't. And I didn't know what to do with that. So then I pushed a little harder. And I say, well, what? You're telling me you can't come on this thing? Why not? I mean, you're, you're, every email I get from you is just so interesting. He said, well, my, my employer, uh, I, okay, I'll just leave it like that. Uh, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't have a public option to uh, explore these ideas. That's all I'll say, but it's, it's, it's unfortunate, and I hope the guy retires soon so I can just deal with him one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, but he, he said, so I just, it just can't happen. I can't, but how about I get Karin for you? How about, how about Karin joins you live? And I immediately emailed him and her, and I said, this is really, you know, this would be amazing, but this is, this is back in November. You know, I was just getting started, and I wasn't even sure how to use Melon yet. I basically said, how about we wait till next winter? Like, I was, I was intimidated by Karin Siglock. I'm not anymore, but I was then. And uh, I just didn't want to have a guest of that caliber. No offense to the other guests, but I didn't want to have a guest of that caliber come in and, and, and uh, have me not be able, able to connect or I couldn't find the power button or whatever. So I kind of, we kind of left that alone. And then I got an email from Karin Siglock who was at Oxford in England for eight years and now has recently moved to 
uh, a national lab uh, near Cannes, France, Monaco or whatever, south of France. And she said, I see what you're doing with these videos. I'm, I'm, I can't believe the size of your audience and the level of engagement. And to be honest, many of the other geologists I uh, communicate with, who I don't know very well, uh, they never comment like that. They never really kind of um, acknowledge that this is really unusual and they, they might think it, but they, they don't say it out loud. She says, she said it out loud. She basically said, I, I can't believe the size of this audience. I don't know how you've figured this out, how you've been able to get so many people together from so many countries to join you regularly, but I'd like to be involved in this. So the irony is the person who's working on a much higher level than pretty much everybody kind of volunteered herself, whereas most other cases especially if I don't know them, they're like, oh, I guess I'll try this, but I don't know, well, how many slides do I need to prepare? You know, it's that kind of thing, you know? Like, I guess I'll try it, but I, you know, I don't really know you, and I'll, I'll just hide behind my PowerPoint slides. Well, not this gal. So, I, you know, I, it was just a couple of quick emails. We found a date in January. We ended up being January 15th, Saturday, January 15th, which is a few days ago. And there wasn't a whole lot of back and forth between she and I before then. Uh, the day before, which was Friday, we tested out the technology a little bit. That's part of the story, I guess I have to include here. But anyway, she showed me a couple of animations. I'm like, this will be great. Let's just do that. And then otherwise, we'll just talk. And I explained, you know, that I didn't want to rehearse a bunch of stuff. And she was fine with that. And right away, she was engaging with me, just privately. Just, you know, we're testing things out. We're testing the melon thing out. And I didn't know, really, who she was or how she operated. All I, all I knew about her was one YouTube video from almost 10 years ago where she's kind of getting slammed at the end of her talk about these revolutionary ideas. And she was quite, you know thick German accent and kind of just uh, kind of being short with these with these gentlemen. Well, she could not have been more warm and uh, and fun to talk to privately. And then it was the same thing on the on the live stream. And so I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a rare chance to be talking to somebody live on, on the other side of the planet that worked. There was a little bit of a delay, not much. The only wrinkle, and I'm going to try not to obsess about it, is that we did talk about going full screen with her with her PowerPoint slides, now that we're talking about that. And uh, I think we rehearsed it, and I think we had it so that that worked. And then when we did it re for real, I could see she wasn't in full screen, and I was I wanted to kind of step in and say, hey, you know, Karen, can you, can you, Maybe, uh, maybe I'll kick your shared screen off and then you can go into full screen mode on your PowerPoint and then I can bring you back in. But her instinct, as soon as she started, and I said, I think we got a problem. We can't see your full screen. She kind of immediately just kind of, in, 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 kind of uh, instinctively said, no, I, I prefer it this way. Otherwise, I can't quite see my controls. And I backed off. So the point is, the only thing that... that it really bothered some viewers. I wish they wouldn't have hammered it so hard, but whatever. Everybody can say what they want in the live chat. Her cursor, 
as she was pointing things out, was offset by a few inches on, on her screen. So she's pointing to the ocean, and yet she, it looks to us like she's pointing to the ocean when she's actually pointing to that magenta blob, whatever, three inches to the right of her cursor. Anyway, that's the only glitch. Otherwise, I was just super thrilled with that uh, experience. And it's certainly easier to get guests now. <laughs> I just did it yesterday. I invite somebody and I say, here's an example of what I do. And it's freaking Karin Siglog. And they're like, what? Oh, sure. Yeah, it would be an honor to be part of this. <laughs> you know, I wasn't getting that a month ago. So the, the reputation and the uh, kind of uh, name recognition of some of the people who have been involved make it easier now for me to, to get people uh, involved. Uh, did I learn a whole lot of new stuff from Karin? Uh, I'm not sure I did, surprisingly. Like, I, I got her to open up a little... No, I did. I got her to open up about her background and why she's in France and her future endeavors. Like, she's kind of almost done with the America stuff. She's now working, like, on the mantle below... I don't know what it was. The Mediterranean going over to China or something. Oh, geez. Incredible. And I'm happy to say that she looks like it's all systems go. Like some people kind of have this huge, um, it's almost like, you know, Dylan or somebody, you know, in music. You know, you have this amazing decade where you're just knocking out of the park every time and you're doing just your own thing. And most people don't even understand what you're doing kind of a thing. And then they kind of lose their whatever whatever the phrase in music is, you know, you you make your deal with the devil at the crossroads or whatever and then that eventually dries up. I don't think it's drying up with Karin. And she's testing new seismometers that work in the ocean so that they can get better seismology, <coughs> better tomography uh, underneath the ocean floor. Oh, it goes on and on. Well, what's the episode of this thing? Karin Siglock live. Uh, I don't know if you clicked on this to listen to her live. Sorry, that's not happening. But I'm talking about the show where she was live. And I will be curious to see if that's an extra popular show. For me, it was an extra popular show. And I know where we're going in the, in the live stream series uh, for the rest of this month and next. And I will... I'm very much looking forward to those guests as well and those topics as well. But as far as the kind of stratosphere for high-level kind of big thinking, like her field area is the, the world, basically. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be back to that anytime soon. But I'll finish by saying I think there was enough of a connection between, uh, between the two of us that I, I think that when I asked to do her, when I, what, oh, good Lord. When I asked to get her back and do this again, like next winter, I, I, I'm thinking that she'll, she won't hesitate. Because she, she said by email a couple times since then, like that was, a, that was a blast. That was really fun. And most of them are being nice, I'm sure, but that's a common, a common thing for folks to say after they join us. They weren't hiding behind their, their PowerPoint slides. They were just having a conversation with me, and then they were having a conversation with live viewers who were, were uh, typing questions in 
during the view. The whole thing is unusual, and I think it's really working, and I'm hoping to keep that going. Okay, I think that's the end of this one. Um, I don't know, maybe I will pop in again uh, before the end of February. We'll do a few more shows and see how they go, but that tomography block where I basically you know, I knew I had Karin on January 15th, and so the previous three shows were designed to build up towards the Karin experience. And what an experience it was. So if you haven't seen that show, you might check that one out. Otherwise, thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode. I'm not sure when I'll talk to you next. Thank you. I love you. And goodbye.